Hello and welcome to episode 110 of the Pod Bible podcast. My name is Adam Richardson. I'm the editor of the Pod Bible, the Pod Bible, unnecessary gravitas there, uh, the editor of Pod Bible magazine and your host for regular episodes of the Pod Bible podcast. Lucky for you though, this week we've got Stu Whiffin back again, another co-founder of Pod Bible, and he's going to be talking to all of our guests on this episode, which is quite handy because I've got a cold. And I reckon if you could hear me having chats with guests where I sound okay, you would then realise how bunged up and uh, awful I sound in these links. So I'm going to try and keep things fairly brief. We've got a brand new Pod Bible magazine out. If you want to check it out, podbiblemag.com is the place to go. You can sign up to our weekly newsletter. You can listen to uh, old episodes of the podcast. You can order old magazines, um, the back catalogue, to your door. You can read digital versions. You can read extra bonus interviews, reviews, recommendations. There's all kinds of good stuff at podbiblemag.com. All right. So, as I said, Stu Whiffen is conducting all three of these chats today, and it's a little bit different. It's not going to be uh, talking to one guest about their show and then the next two guests about recommended podcasts. Instead, because we've been having so many good chats recently, we've got quite a few backed up. We only release every every fortnight, so we thought, let's put out an episode where we talk to three different guests about their podcasts. Um, Stu Whiffin has had all of these chats. We're going to be talking to Nick Grimshaw about Dish. We're going to be talking to Rory Bremner about the spying game. And we're going to be talking to Chris Hawkins about how to DJ. But let's kick things off with the aforementioned Nick Grimshaw, the broadcasting of Radio 1 legend, talking all about his new show, Dish. Okay, Nick, tell me all about your podcast please okay our new podcast is it's myself and angela hartner who is um quite legendary in the food game and i i was a really big fan of hers i'd met her once before and i was a fan of her food and then just a fan of her because she's character isn't she she's good so when they asked if i'd be interested i was I sort of snatched the hand off. I was very interested. So yeah, it's me and Angela having a dinner party. Angela cooks and you can cook along. And she sort of, at the start, there's quite a condensed introduction to the meal and how to make the meal. And it's full of like, it's not like the whole podcast, not the cooking, but it'll have like those like take home, easy chefy tip things, which I didn't know. And I cook a lot and by no means a chef. I do cook a lot. So we do that. And then I make a cocktail and we welcome some guests and we basically sit down, eat the food, drink the drink and shoot the shit. Um, and it's been so fun working with Angela because she's, yes, an amazing chef and got, you know, an OBE and an MBE and Michelin stars. But the main thing is she's just a laugh. She's funny and she's got no airs and graces either. So it's a really fun easy chat with the guests and she you know is happily take the piss out of them take the piss out of me herself um and it's been so fun so we've done a few already we've done uh, the cast of ted lasso which came out today oh okay so he launched today so who did you have from from ted lasso so we had hannah waddingham who mm-hmm. played rebecca we also had phil dunster who plays jamie tart Mm-hmm. So they were quite good. So the, the boss and one of the footballers. And when I first met Angela, her we were like saying who we wanted on and her dream people to have on was the cast of Ted Lasso. Yeah, She was obsessed with having them on. And then on the day, I didn't really realise how much she actually did like them because she was like, 
It was like when a kid met Justin Bieber. <laughs> she was like bright red, giggling, like all nervous. And then Hannah Waddingham, uh, her husband or her boyfriend, I'm not sure. I think it's her husband. He's a really good cook and a proper foodie. And he is obsessed with Angela Hartnett. So it was quite a great first meeting because yeah. Hannah was obsessed with Angela and Angela was obsessed with Hannah. So quite a good, like they both were sure. big fans of one another. But it was really fun and we ate a really nice meal and Angela did them the meals that's like looks really simple. And Hannah said it herself in this, like if I put these things in a pan, it wouldn't taste like this. Love it. So how did you sort of, the Perry, you sort of work out the concept for the, the podcast itself? Well, she loves a chat. She's a natural chatter. She's quite straight up as well, which I really, really liked. So when we were having meetings, we just thought, well, let's just ask what we actually want to ask and like not have too many devices. And there's no like games or anything like that. I have a terrible attention span. So I was like, I don't think this needs to be an hour. I think we do half an hour, 40 minutes. And that's my podcast sort of limit personally. So we, we didn't really, aside from knowing what we were going to cook and doing some research on the guests and trying to think of great questions and things that you, we'd like to learn from them or, or be, you know, we could let people know about them. We, we didn't really have too many structural ideas apart from just a great conversation. I just wanted to hear something that when I'm cooking at home, I can listen to it because that's the only time I really listen yeah. to podcasts. Or in the car I do, but in the car I kind of want to pretend to be a pop star and listen to music. So, um, yeah. So I, I was sort of imagining like what I'd want to hear when I was cooking and Angela was saying, because that's what she does. Wonderful. <laughs> um, well, Nick, obviously your background is, is, is radio and television. Why the step into podcasting? And what, what do you like about podcasting that you maybe didn't get from radio or, or TV? Well, I really like the setting of this one. I like that it's not in a studio and that it's around, it's in these sort of TV studios where they record cookery shows. So there's like a kitchen and a dining room. So we get to go and it doesn't feel like we're doing, we're in a radio studio. And I think that as much as I love radio, like sometimes people come in and they're like, bit nervous or they're like oh it's already it's radio one so they're a bit like stiff at first so it's quite nice to do a podcast in this relaxed environment around a table and they're sort of handed a glass of wine as soon as they get there and we all sit you know around a round table and can have a chat so it's a really nice way to have a long form conversation that doesn't feel like an interview really it feels more just like you are gate crashing a dinner but yeah, what made me, I, I don't know, I, I've been asked to do other things and I thought about other podcasts, but I really like this one because it just felt like a natural fit. Like I love Angela. I love cooking. I love talking about food. I love trying food. I love like learning about food and wine as well. And um, yeah, I just thought it was the, the three things I was kind of good at, like eating, drinking and chatting shit. Has there been anything that you found annoying as a podcast listener and then understood when you've been a podcast creator because i came from radio i'm really funny about sound quality which i didn't think i was so when i hear things on a podcast i'm like that sounds like they're not speaking in the mic properly (laughs) but then actually you're not so i actually quite like that now it makes me feel like i quite like that diy element of it yeah it doesn't sound like hi i'm on the radio (laughs) 
um, compression, I guess. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and, and moving forward, who else can we expect to hear on uh, on forthcoming episodes? Um, we have Rylan coming on, who I love. I'm very obsessed with Rylan and desperate to have dinner with him. Uh, Catherine Ryan is coming on. Um, we have Mabel. We have James May, this great comedian called Sindhu V. So it's a real mixture of of people coming on. And plans moving forwards with, with, with the podcast, Nick. Is live shows something you've considered? Because we're seeing so many podcasts then sort of take it to, to podcast festivals. And, and obviously there's a multitude of different kind of food festivals and things like that. Would it, trans, you know, would it translate to that? Would that work? I mean, yeah, I'd love to do like a massive dinner party. Get like, you know, I don't know if there's a way of making that happen. But yeah, mm. I'd love to do something live. I think it would would definitely work. It feels like I, I, me and the team and Angela like really wanted it to feel quite lively in there. So like I was up for like the crew because it's all filmed as well. So it's all visualized. So I was quite up for like the cameraman, like asking a question or trying a bit of the pasta or having a glass of wine. Like I like that feel. And that's what I love about radio is that it, it feels, you know, all inclusive and I on my radio shows always liked it if a producer chipped in or told me to shut up if I was saying something yeah. stupid. so we've tried to do that well we have done that on the podcast so I think that lends well to a live audience yeah that people can just chip in and feel part of it lovely you you, you mentioned that um it was filmed as well so is it going to be on YouTube as well as sort of podcast platforms I don't know if it's going to be on YouTube is it I don't know I don't know if it's just like clips I don't know if we yeah, have yeah, yeah. five minutes that go out on very on like Instagram and Twitter sure but, I mean I don't think is it all filmed does anyone know <laughs> we'll have to wait and see we'll have to wait and see all right lovely but um Nick the podcast is going to be available in all places where you can get your podcast I imagine it is. It's available now, anywhere, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, go and, and go have a listen. Wonderful. Nick, it's been absolutely lovely. Thanks so much Thank for your you time so today, much, mate. Drew. And best of luck with the podcast. Thank you so much. Then come around for dinner when I learn to cook off Angela. Let's do it. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Stu. And if you like the sound of Stu's voice, you're in luck because Stu's going to be talking to Rory Bremner all about his show, The Spying Game, right now. Rory, please tell me all about your podcast. Well, this is The Spying Game, and uh, we've recorded about uh, 10, I think maybe 12 episodes for the first series. Hope there'll be another series. And it's really, the idea was you put together a real-life spy, (laughs) former intelligence agency agent, with uh, somebody who has written either a film or a documentary or a book or whatever. So um, some of it might be fiction, some of them might be, uh, like Ben McIntyre's amazing uh, books, actually non-fiction, and and the true story behind Agent Sonia or Operation Mint speed or something like that and it's really everyone who we're all fascinated by spying by secrets um you know i'm no exception to that so it's really i mean it's been such an experience hearing from people who spent their life um like ben mcintyre has um studying these people and, and hearing these amazing stories and the people actually on the ground um and so the idea of putting the two together and i'm just sort of the ringmaster really and trying to get some of the secrets out of the spies and trying to get some of the insights out of the authors and so how did this concept for the show come around? Um, well, I was recruited, of course, Stu, as you would yep. expect. I was uh, in St. James's Park feeding the pigeons and a gentleman came up and sat <laughs> on the bench, opened his newspaper and said, 
the ducks are flying early this year. Um, no, it was, I was doing some fundraising thing for uh, uh, RUSI, which is a think tank, which has uh, been brilliant doing a lot of analysis about the war in Ukraine. And uh, they sort of do defence and foreign policy and they kind of, you know, give, uh, they're, they're just brilliant the academics really. And they give fantastic insight and analysis. And I was doing a couple of fundraising things and going to a couple of their dinners. And uh, a gentleman came up who uh, runs the Spyscape franchise and they have a spying museum in New York, Spyscape Museum. And they run some podcasts as well around this whole world of spying of espionage and deception. And so we talked about the idea for a podcast and that's uh, where it came about. I think the idea appealed to them, somebody who spends his life being other people, um, i.e. me, and would I have some kind of connection with people who really did? But of course, we realised pretty soon that the worst fate I would get would be a bad review um, and the worst thing they could get was being uh, unpleasantly um, dispatched uh, but anyway it was uh, it's, it's, it's been a great experience today. I've loved it oh wonderful how was the experience of recording a, a podcast compared to you know your, your previous works in, in television and radio um, well of course it's longer form that's the great thing and uh, podcasts are all about enthusiasm because people come to them because they're enthusiastic about a particular area uh, you've got the guests who of course really love to talk about what they do in, in greater length and greater detail than you ever get a chance on radio because, you know, radio like television now, of course, it's, you know, it's it's, it's rapid, um, you know, you're getting on to the next item. It's like, you know, so about the one show, I was thinking it was like, almost like the half show because you just, you know, just, just got into a subject when you've got to move to the next thing because of the imagined sort of short attention span. So this is a slightly longer attention span and, and uh, that's what I love about it. So you have the time to enjoy the stories, you know, and of course, you know, it's the article conversation again um it's people who have sort of got connections because they're both obviously involved and and um fascinated by the world of spying and deception and all the rest of it but being able to talk and you 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 just sort of set it running and where they meet the the things that they have in common uh, the things where they've heard of each other's work or where one might watch um say jed mercurio's work and comment on that and uh, we had a real life bodyguard um evie bomporas who i interviewed with Jed Mercurio, who people will know as the author of uh, Bodyguard and Line of Duty. And, you know, she was sort of critiquing his work and saying, you know, how much she enjoyed his attention to detail. Uh, in Operation Mincemeat, we were talking to a, a more recent agent and about, you know, how would you feel if your operation was called Trojan Horse, which is kind of slightly a giveaway title. Or um, I think I think one of them was, uh, uh, they had one thing called, it was uh, Operation uh, 20 or something, or Room 20, which of course is two X's in Roman numerals, as in double cross. And you think this is all a little bit obvious. But there's all sorts of other things. I mean, there's uh, the story of uh, evacuating um, thousands of uh, Israelis. There was a Jewish tribe, in fact, trapped in Ethiopia, and they had to get them back to Israel secretly. And they, so Mossad, um, they put up this completely fake diving resort on the Red Sea coast, um, and they ran it. They said it was the only organization that Mossad ever, only operation that Mossad ever made money on, um, because they ran it as a real life um, diving resort. So they had boats, they had ribs, they had trucks, everything that they needed. Uh, to evacuate people by night. And that's what they did by night and by day. It was a diving resort. Other ones, if you've ever seen The Americans, if you've been a fan of those seri- that series, uh, Joe Weisberg, the author of that, together with a real-life um, KGB agent who'd been working in Russia, in America, for some years. And then, can you imagine this? He was uh, going, went to his usual subway station, was about to get on the train, and he looked up and he saw a dub of red paint on the girder 
above his head and he knew that was the sign from the KGB to to leave. He had to get out, he had to abandon the mission. And he decided not to because unknown to his handlers, he had uh, formed a relationship with an American woman, he had a daughter and he had a life in America. And so he decided I'm not going to come back. And so he had to persuade the KGB not to take him back. And his way of doing that was to say that uh, he had HIV and of course the American, the Russians at that stage, they didn't want to have anything to do with AIDS or whatever, so they kind of let it drop. So it's stories, it's stories. This is what this is what the spy game is all about. Um, we all love secrets. We all, you know, we're brought up on James Bond and all that, the sort of glamorous side of spying. But also, you know, some of our great authors, Graham Greene and Somerset Maugham and John Le Carre, um, they started, they were in intelligence themselves, they were spies themselves, and they've created these amazing books and, and literature. So there's this fascination out there with the world of spies. So to meet real ones and put them together with people, as I say, who've written books about it and have studied it and fascinated, fascinated by it and written films about it, it's really worked. And I love interviewing people. I love hearing their stories. And I've absolutely loved it. And my favourite was um, we did a great uh, one with the head of disguise at the CIA. I mean, that's a wonderful job title, isn't it? That's, that's a great job isn't title. It? Brilliant. And that is absolutely that's this week's um, podcast I think it's called Hooray for Hollywood and we put an actor who'd been in um, The Bodyguard uh, not The Bodyguard in uh, The Night Manager Al Petrie and we put him together with John Mendes and John Mendes worked for the CIA as head of disguise sometimes with her her husband Tony Mendes who was the original he was the guy behind if you remember the film um, Argo Mm. which starred Ben Affleck. And they got the American um, hostages out of Iran by faking a film crew. They said they were making a documentary and they got the hostages out that way. And that was Tony Mendes. And he and Jonna, and they worked uh, alongside the Hollywood special effects guys and makeup guys. So she once sat through a meeting with George Bush um, wearing a face mask as a totally false identity. And then at the end of the meeting, uh, she said, I've got something to tell you, Mr. President. She said, oh yeah, what, what's that? And, uh, and she just gradually, uh, she, he said, oh no, wait, 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 let me have a look. And he looked all around, he couldn't see the join. And then she took it, she literally, she took her face off. Wow. Um, and I think it was one of the ones she did with Tony was where they had to convince somebody that you could change from being a, a businessman walking down the street with a briefcase into uh, a woman with wheeling a shopping trolley. And he could do this in 45 seconds by uh, turning his coat inside out because it was businessman's coat. And on the other side, it was a sort of uh, an old woman's coat and with hair running down the back of it already. He rolled up his trousers. He had stockings underneath. Um, he, he took off his hat and shook down his longer hair. He got a wig on and his briefcase, uh, when he pressed the switch, converted into a shopping basket uh, with a real baguette or an inflatable uh, baguette in it. So it's stories, stories, stories about the things that most fascinate us and what Ben McIntyre calls the hidden or um, if you've seen Operation Mincemeat, that's also that's our first episode from last week. Um, it's the hidden war. It's the war we always we we see the bombs, we see the bullets, we see the the buildings. Uh, you know, every night on the news, but we don't know what's going underneath the intelligence, the secrets, the stories, the agents, and that's what this is all about. Wonderful. What can we expect next? Is it going to be more serious? Uh, where- well, I hope so. I mean, I it, the the beauty of it is. When you've recorded something over lockdown, we did sort of, I say, 10 episodes. And so I hear them for the first time almost now. And, uh, you know, I can see, oh, you should have, I should have interrupted there or I should have uh, let that go. But I'm hearing them fresh now. And um, 
I'm really pleased with them. I love interviewing people. You know, I'd love to do more podcasts of all sorts of things. I do book festivals, as I mentioned before. And so I'm interviewing some people at book festivals this, this, uh, this summer, but um, yes, I absolutely love it. And I actually, just to prove the point, I just went on a radio station to talk about it. And I was, you know, I could have talked to it like, like we've done for 15 minutes, but it turned out, you know, after I just got going and after four minutes, they said, well, thank you, Rachel, and this is where you can get this mind game. And, stuff. <laughs> and I thought, oh no, you know, did I say everything that I wanted to do in, in those four minutes? Of, of course I didn't. And it probably sounded rushed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, did people know that it's, you know, 12 parts, it's a spy and uh, a spy author talking about the world of espionage? I don't know because uh, it just, the time flew by, but the beauty of the podcast and the spying game in particular is you can just, you can relax into it like a, like a, a warm bath and take it all in. Wonderful. And it's available wherever you can get your podcasts. That's it, the spying game. Rory, thank you very much. Thank you, Stu. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rory. Thank you again to Stu. Let's have another. Let's complete the hat trick, shall we? The Stu Whiffin hat trick, talking about podcasts with their hosts. He's talking now to Chris Hawkins, who uh, is not only a DJ and uh, obviously a regular at Six Music, but also appeared in the most recent edition of Pod Bible Magazine, talking about his top five podcasts, podbiblemag.com, if you want to check out that. But for now, he's going to talk about his show, How to DJ. Chris, tell me all about your podcast, please. So it's uh, a half hour uh, in the company of uh, radio and club DJs, finding out uh, about their lives, uh, about how they got to the positions that they're in, what drives them, what keeps them doing it, uh, and why they love what they do so much. I mean, you're a very established radio DJ. Why podcasting? And 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 tell me the differences. Tell me what you, you've got from podcasting that you haven't yet got from radio. Time. It is key. You know, we are a music radio station at Six Music and there aren't really opportunities to do half an hour, 45 minutes with with a guest. But it's something that I love to do, to sit down uh, and really get inside the minds of of the people that uh, we've been inviting onto the podcast. It doesn't do them justice, 10, 15 minutes uh, on the radio. Whereas on a podcast, I think there is that time to really get to know somebody. Did it feel comfortable all of a sudden not having the kind of opportunities to like, oh God, hang on a minute, I'll, I'll, I'll play a record. Uh, all of a sudden being sort of <laughs> sat there with somebody and, and, and there's it's just one-on-one and that's it. Was you comfortable straight away? I mean, you strike me as somebody, obviously, we, you know, we're friends and we've, we, we, you know, we, we, we've hung out and stuff and you don't ever seem to struggle to have a natter. In answer to your question, no, it, it was the least comfortable thing. And I resisted doing a podcast for ages because it's not my world. It's not something that I fully understand. I, I still don't think that I do. But but what I resisted for a long time was sitting down with a mate and talking for two hours and putting that out once a week. I wanted to find a structure because that's kind of the way that a radio brain works. You work in in blocks with with features. And I needed to find something to hang my my hat on, to to have a hook. And it seemed to make sense having only ever worked in radio. The only ever paid work I've ever done has been in radio. So it needed to be something that was part of that world and gave me an opportunity to to be passionate about something that I love. So uh, th- that being radio in the, in the radio DJ sense, and then music. So the, the two things that I love so much um, come together for this podcast. 
And so when you decided you was going to podcast, how did you settle on the actual concept of the podcast and talk a little bit about what people can expect from an episode on the podcast? Because it it was a world in which I've worked for more than 20 years, I thought, well, I'll just work my way through my contacts book, speak yeah. to friends and make the most of, of those guys that, that I think are so inspiring and get them to share their stories. So the guest this so far over three series has included Christian O'Connell, who's like a great broadcasting hero of mine. Absolutely. And and Christian talks a lot about the importance of stories. Uh, when it comes to radio, I think stories are what you remember most, you know, and when it's music radio, it's stories and great music. So Christian really emphasised uh, his desire every single day on his show to come up with something that people might talk about in the pub afterwards. So that was all about stories with Christian. Jam Supernova, I spoke to her just after she'd been on the cover of DJ Magazine, a massive moment for her. And she worked so hard behind the scenes as a a producer and to to learn the craft of DJing. It's an incredible story, Jams, um, from... You know, all those years um, behind the scenes, off mic and and working on other people's shows to, to the point where she is now. And, and that is a much sought after club DJ and radio presenter. John Kennedy was a great one because John talks about, you know, how passionate John is. You know, John, yeah. how passionate he is about new music. Like it's it, what he lives and breathes. Yeah. Uh, and him is really interesting for any new bands Anyone should listen to that because you would understand why John can't just play everyone's new songs yeah. every week. He, he talks about how, you know, he just wants more time to play more songs, but that, that you, you can't play every single new song that's out in a given week in, in two shows a week, which is what John does on Radio X. Tony Blackburn, an incredible storyteller. Royalty, and- mate. Radio royalty. Wow. Yeah, so um, I first bumped into Tony Blackburn at the Urinals at uh, a radio station that we were both doing some shows on a while back. And, and this was a big moment for me as someone that had, had sent off my birthday dedication to him when he was on, on Radio <laughs> 1. We never read it out, so I've always sort of held that against him. But getting to sit down with Tony Blackburn, the first ever voice on Radio 1, telling telling the story of how he first got that gig and what was going through his mind. This is what's so so fascinating about Tony's story, is, is hearing what was going through his mind as he walked into the building on the very first day to deliver the very first words on Radio 1 and how much he still absolutely loves it now. And he, he was at pains to point out, and quite rightly, that it, he was, and he delivered this in a fairly modest way, but it was Tony Blackburn that that brought American soul music to a British audience for Massively. the very first time. Uh, and that's often forgotten in the Tony Blackburn story. Tony was amazing. And Greg James talking about the rhythm of radio, about the relationship with audiences and how important it is to be on point every single day. And and Greg talks about not only the hard work that went into getting the Radio 1 Breakfast Show, but the hard work that goes into it on a daily basis. Even while songs are playing, Greg goes into the detail of what he does during the songs. And and some of the time that includes rehearsing what he's going to say next. Oh, really? It is no happy accident that Greg is a master of, of his craft. 
And so when it comes to recording, we, we, we've seen such a, a, a shift during the, the pandemic where I, I know when we last spoke um, on, on my podcast, we met up, we sat in a studio, we chatted. But over the pandemic, we've become far more used to recording how we're recording now, remotely. So how have you been recording? Have you been sort of joining people face-to-face or have you been doing it remotely? Yeah, good question. Uh, a mix of, of the two, Stu. The, the pandemic opened up this whole new world of Zoom. And, and actually for the day job at Six Music and for, for radio shows, it's meant that we've got instant access to pretty much anyone that we want to speak to. Yeah. In the old days, you'd be arranging for them to come into the studios. They'd have to do all of the security and then they'd always be late. The lifts would break. And, you know, there was always a, a sense of jeopardy as to whether the, the guest was going to be on time or even in at all. So now um, the, the quality of Zoom and different ways of recording mean that there's open access for the most part. So I do the majority from a home studio of the recordings on a, a quality line. Do you want me to even name the thing that we use? Do it, because do you know what we often get <laughs> asked all the time about launching podcasts, what equipment is the best equipment to use? Yeah, throw it out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think a decent mic, but you don't need to go too overboard. I think particularly with a, a, a good working Mac, um, a decent, not overly priced mic will um, absolutely do the job. And then we use clean feet and it's great quality. I don't know a lot about the geeky world of the technicals, but I do know that the video can suck some of the quality out of the audio recording. So if you are doing an audio recording, it is a bit more difficult because you can't look your guest in the eye and therefore can't anticipate when they're going to start and stop speaking. So in the edit, it's a bit more difficult to get out all those interruptions, but you do get a better quality recording if you you switch the video off. Absolutely. Um, we've done a couple of live ones too. We did tram lines in Sheffield. Graham Park, legendary Hacienda DJ Graham Park, came on stage with me at tram lines and we, we sat down and talked about his life from selector disc in Nottingham, where he was first working in music, to becoming like one of the Hacienda's most legendary DJs. Lauren Garnier, another yeah. great Hacienda DJ, came on. And this was interesting. So Lauren talked about his first taste of pop music. Most people, People, when, when asked, you know, when did you first get into music? It's through their parents and then listening to the radio, pause and record, listening to the chart shows, making their own mixtapes. And Lauren Garnier actually answered by saying the fairground. Really? Right. So the fairground was where he first got his taste of new music and it's where he would go to find out what was new and what was big. Because think about it. Back then, he's talking sort of early 80s. It, it was at the fairground that there were DJs, weren't there? Mm. And and actually, labels would deliver new music to fairgrounds. Seriously? Because, yeah, it would expose audiences to, to that new music in a big way. A high turnover, if you think yeah. about it. On, on the Dodgems, every 10 minutes, people hearing new stuff. Yeah, so for absolutely. Laurent Garnier, that was where he first got into music. 
My God, I would spend hours standing around the outside of the waltzers. You know, we, I had no idea I was being conditioned by the major labels. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, Lauren Garnier, of course, then, you know, goes on to become a superstar DJ, yeah. one of the all-time greats. Well, I was going to – my next question was about the live shows, and, and we're seeing so many podcasts doing uh, live events now. And is that something you're looking to sort of do more of? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I, I, I love um, the audience reaction and interaction and yes that that is absolutely the plan for the the new series which is going to start around mid-july that will be series four with some um, amazing guests lined up i, I mean I, i'm not going to tempt fate because we've not recorded it yet but i well i can say who's going to launch the series and that will be norman cook fat boy slim oh wonderful wonderful well in regards to what's um available now if you're talking right now to a, a potential new listener that's listened to this and you was to say, right, I would suggest you listen to this episode because this episode encapsulates everything I set out to do with this podcast. By all means, Chris, tell them to go right to episode one and work their way through. I'm not asking you to pick your favourite, but just if there's one where you think everything went exactly how you hoped this podcast would go, direct them in the way of that one. Oh man, see that's who's, who's your so favourite child? That's what I'm asking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know that the whole thing started with Dave Haslam, a DJ that I have always hugely respected, and that is a, an extremely thoughtful podcast where Dave's really he, he he thinks about everything that he says and talks about why it was that he wanted to be a DJ and his answers really involved. And that through to having a gun pulled on him in a, a DJ booth, you know, the, the stories that everyone has shared, I've said it already, but it, they, they're so inspiring. So uh, from Dave's thoughtful process about getting into the world of DJ to Goldie Rock's handing out uh, stickers for a local radio station and then later DJing at Madonna's birthday party. That'll do, won't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, Hi-Fi Sean is a big hero of mine. I, I um, was a fan of his band, The Soup Dragons, and I, I loved the, the latest stuff that he's done with David McCallum. Oh, I think it's wonderful. Quite incredible stuff. It's uh, There's a brilliant new album by the two of them. And Sean's journey from uh, a, a small town in Scotland where he grew up to coming out, moving to London and trying to establish a new life. He's now a much sought after DJ. I suppose it's about the way that everyone started, the work that they did to get to where they are and what it's done for them and how much they love what they do. I, I would say that this podcast is a must listen for any aspiring radio DJ or club DJ, and also for anyone that, that's lived it, maybe within it or been on the fringes, the secret DJ, that, you know, he doesn't reveal his name for a reason. The stories are quite scary at times, yeah. and that's why he can't reveal who he is, his true identity. That That's a lot about the the dark drink and drug-fueled underbelly of the, the club DJ world. And then... Emma B, her journey from a basement at Radio One where uh, Mark Goodyear was coaching her. He, he really believed in her and gave Emma 
the the belief that she could actually make it. She could be a Radio One DJ, and has followed an incredible career path through network radio and, and still right on top of her game uh, at Magic. What I'm, I, I guess, I'm trying to say is that I can't pick a favorite child. It's the mix that I love so much, and I actually invite guests on onto the podcast based on the different ways that they will tell a, I guess, a similar story. Wonderful. And I imagine the podcast is available in all the usual places. Yeah, absolutely it is. Yeah, you just search how to DJ. And um, I, I obviously um, have links to it on my my socials on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm just really grateful to, everyone just keeps saying yes and comes on, you know, and, and that's really heartening. It's, it's amazing to be able to sit down and, and have time with these guys. Lovely. Thanks ever so much, Chris. Thank you so much, Stu. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Stu. Right, as I said, and it's very apparent, I have quite a bad cold. So let's just crack on. Let's go. Thank you so much to ACAST. We're part of the ACAST Creator Network. Thanks, as always, for production help and all the good stuff from Buddy Peace. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode. Head to podbubblemag.com for all the good stuff. Uh, have a good couple of weeks, and we'll see you very soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.